We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged. One person will stand up upon a single person. And then everybody else will stand. A gym member, surrounded by a crowd of supporters, was placed in handcuffs. A Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested, sentenced to a week in she jail. She also and tore up a cease and desist letter. We have a posterity waiting for us to say, we will not comply so you will be free. We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down? At the Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. Welcome, JC. Your mic is over there, man. <laughs> so we are so happy to have you with us here today. Happy to have you joining us in the show. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> We're going to be praying over this episode and <laughs> the things that are happening with this. We had broadcast today just fine, no problems, and now all of a sudden... There's that flicker. There's that flicker. I just, you know, if, if one were inclined to have some kind of paranoia or conspiracy theory... The stuff that we go through, it's doing it again, JC. The stuff that we go through in all of this is just, it's mind boggling all day. I actually have done, Easy. I did a whole broadcast uh, this morning with not a single flicker. And, and here we are. So JC, so what we have now is, yes, Nile, Jesus is present. <laughs> He's with us. Thank you so much. And so uh, there was another shooting. Mm -hmm. We just talked about this the other day, JC, about how, and, and I think I even made the comment, is this going to be a continuing and increasing trend? Under the Biden administration. Under the Biden administration. I want to know, this is my question. I want to know what is the Biden administration doing 
that is causing this to happen. Because everything that happens in America politically is always attributed to the presidential administration. And so if all of a sudden now what we have are these continuing trends, this increased violence with guns, what is the Biden administration doing to, to cause this environment in America? Yeah, such a great point because when, uh, when the revolutionaries were rioting uh, during the summer, the left and the mainstream media's narrative was this is Trump's America. Right. 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 It's, it's implying this Trump's Trump's fault. This is why you see all that's happening in Minneapolis and Kenosha and and uh, Seattle and Portland and all that. It's Trump. It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's America. So all the all these shootings is that Biden. That's Biden's America. Right. That is Biden's America. So what exactly? So so is we we expect to see that from CNN, MSNBC. Mm -hmm. That. That CBS, ABC, NBC, that's going to be your narrative, right? This is this is Biden's America. All the shootings. It's Biden, right? Right. What is what is Biden's administration doing to cause people to hate each other, to be violent, to take up arms against their fellow man? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's what I want yeah. to know. So we'll be looking for that. We'll be looking for that on MSNBC. CNN, NPR, you know, I always say CBS, I'm not going to hold my breath because I'll be that blue girl sitting in the corner. Right. Right. Just crazy. This is going to be very interesting. And I put this into the hypocrisy story of the day. The CDC has issued an official report that says empty middle seats in airplanes, reduce COVID-19 exposure on flights. And the, and the CDC says that exposure to the coronavirus is cut by 23 to 57% if middle seats are left vacant. Now, I don't know the last time. This is my point number where, one. Where is the study found? Where, where is the study? Where is uh, the study? I see this, this is, is a headline. CDC. This has been reportings. Yes. Uh, what what is the study that backs this? How was this study? Because I remember all during this thing, mm -hmm. we said, where are the airline outbreaks? Right. Right. Where are the people getting covid on on the airlines? Remember, we we asked that question here. Is so doesn't this imply that what what are they saying? So. They somehow studied airplanes without the middle seat empty and there were COVID outbreaks. Well, who's heard of this? Here's the study. Laboratory modeling. Exactly. Of exposure reduction through physical distancing seating in an aircraft. Now, now so let me, let me, more utter balderdash. Okay. That's a very nice word for it, but I'm not sure quite sure how many of you there's a B and an S in it. <laughs> has uh, yes I don't know how many of you have actually been on an airplane okay so what we're talking about is a difference let me see if I can model this if if the middle seats are not empty let's see yeah you're like, sitting pretty much like, like this. this 
if the middle seats are empty, you're just like, a little bit like that, you're pretty much sitting like this. At no time Excuse are you six me. feet apart. What exactly? You are barely three feet apart. Not to mention the fact, if you think about it, I'm actually closer to the person in front of me Correct. and behind me Correct. than I am to the person in my own row. Yeah. This is complete garbage. You guys are morons. Morons. But here's the hypocrisy, right? Here's the hypocrisy, right? So they're kicking. We watched a video the other day, JC, of the airline kicking a mother and a family off the plane because she was breastfeeding her child and the child was not wearing a mask. Yeah. Are you freaking The breastfeeding child was infecting people. The breastfeeding child was infecting people not wearing a mask. You know, clearly something's wrong with your laboratory modeling. Yes. Can you just look out at reality? There are zero, zero, Z. E R O Nil. airline outbreaks, airline Dead. infections, as far as anybody's reporting. Like, there so there has never been a single solitary case that has led back to a super spreader event on an airplane. I've not even heard of any event, much less super, super spreader. Spread. No, I, not a no, single Nobody's case. reported, hey, people are getting COVID on airlines. I mean, that's been no the way. curiosity for me Yes, in that it's probably one of the most closed in places for the longest period of time. Mask or not, you're you're in a tube, yes. you know, and people are taking their mask off to eat like only when you're eating. OK, that's fine. But you took but you took it off when you're eating. And, it, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing. Somehow, somehow you're the restaurants were site of super spreader events. How is a restaurant a super spreader event more than an airplane or a church would be? I've had to already defend churches since this started who were being accused of being super spreader. Events. Yeah. So your model is garbage. garbage. We, we don't need a laboratory model. We have reality. It's, that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just my goodness. And here's These the people are a joke. Right? These people are a freaking joke. You have to social distance over six feet in between somebody to get on the plane. And then once you're oh, yeah. on the plane, before you even sit down, you're like stacked on top of each other down the aisle for yep. at least 20 minutes. Not to mention when you're getting out. And when you're, when getting, you're getting off out, the plane, stacked on each other, right? So now they filled the middle seats because the planes are clean. They'll tell you it's because of the ventilation system. Remember the whole HEPA filter, whatever filter they have, right? Now, let's see how these airlines respond when they're gods that empowered them to be little flight attendant tyrants say, no, 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 sorry. You have to stop selling middle seats. And you will, and because, you know, if I were an airline, if I was the only of the airline, I would say, look, your your study is garbage because tell me where anybody has gotten sick on our airplanes. Just I, tell I, me. You know, I'm, I'm at this point, uh, anything that takes money from the airlines, I'm happy about. 
I'm not, JC. I'm absolutely not. You know why? Because they're not losing a dime. What they're well, doing yeah, is they turning get to the federal government sure. and stealing money from us Very true. to fund their tyranny, their little tyranny. I still can't get over the fact that the FAA has deemed it appropriate to make a flight attendance orders subject to federal law. The FAA has a regulation that says if you disobey a flight attendant, you are subject to federal law prosecution. Seriously, people, this is sons of liberty kind of angry. People should be over stuff like this. This is like protesting. You, I don't know. I, I'm just saying this is the government empowering private companies to be militarized agents. That's what this is. Oh, did you say Google? Was that what you said? Google? Uh, yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. Well, but Google's not having anybody drug off an airplane and federally prosecuted for, you know, coming against them. When you've got some, right. some, some Karen flight attendant who is drunk on her idiotic power. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, Kicking maybe, people off planes. Maybe having people snipered and overthrowing a country maybe doesn't rise to that level. Oh, uh, well, you know, I forgot about that, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Nevertheless. 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 So Nancy Pelosi is going to save the judiciary. She says, we're not going to bring the bill to the floor to pack the court. Now, I believe there's two reasons. <coughs> JC is going to explain to you one. My reason is all, is sort of the long-term vision thing uh, is because everybody in politics knows that uh, even though the Democrats are in power today, the Republicans will be in power tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And they don't like to, to expand the power in, in issues like this too much because if they set a precedent that the... Democrat House and the Democrat Senate and the Democrat president will uh, pack the court. There's absolutely nothing to go beyond the Republicans to say, OK, we're going to take back those seats. Right. Mm. If the Democrats can add the seats, we're just going to pull the people off that are there or even work, you know, even add, you know, two more. Right. They could add more. Can you imagine by the end of our 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 little standoff here, we could have a Supreme Court the size of the House of Representatives. <laughs> a whole committee, a, 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 a like a like a congressional committee that sized Supreme Court. Yeah. So give them your theory. Midterms. I think it's all about the midterm. Yeah. We'll explain so that for people. They were just uh, I think just recently, I, I think I saw a poll that said the court packing is not popular just mm -hmm. just not popular with voters and um you know that historically every every midterm swings against the uh seated party the seated administration so uh we would expect in the midterms democrats to take a beating yeah. in the midterms so they're trying to do everything they can, including corruption, which, you know, in the elector election system, which they're good at. Uh, but 
I, I'll say once I, I what I said before, uh, close elections are easy are easier to steal, yeah, uh, to corrupt if such a thing were to hypothetically happen. Um, so it 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 is uh, it, it's inherent for them to to at least keep the election close. Uh, so that they can, if they wanted to engage in corruption, it, it's effective. So when you think about a presidential election, for instance, hypothetically speaking, um, since that's state by state, right? Because people say, oh, well, it's, it, people look at the overall vote, like it's this many million to that many million. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It's about districts within particular uh, swing states. Right. So, so certain areas you would target uh, to try to make it as close as you can in those particular states. And then, and then you add, you know, whatever corruption that you could get away with that puts it over the top. So they know that you have the historical um, trend of the electorate swinging against you in the right. midterms. So they're doing everything they can to, to, you know, capitalize on that. That's about the focus. That's the thing. The, the radicals, the the real the real hardcore radicals, the uh, you know the crowd that follows um, what do they call it? Not the clan, but um, the unit, the the tribe, the squad, the squad. squad. Uh, <laughs> if you went through enough synonyms, right, you were about to right, get to it sooner or later. So yeah, the crowd, the crowd that follows the the squad, the uh, squad, squad. Um, they. Uh, you know, they're 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 those radicals. They don't care. Right. So they're going to they will push any kind of cr the craziest proposal, the most radical yeah. socialist communist proposal you can think of. Uh, but Pelosi answers primarily to the establishment. Right. And, and it's about maintaining that power. Mm -hmm. um, they're OK. Pelosi and the establishment, they have a long term vision. So the Republic is destroyed incrementally. Uh, the squad revolutionaries, they want to burn it down by in the morning. Mm -hmm. So it's a different kind of point of view. And you see that, you see that dynamic, that kind of mild wrestling match yeah. in the Democrat party. So, so for Pelosi, why she would go against the squad uh, revolutionary types with this proposal is because it's about the midterms. They triangulate about politics, maintaining the power, yeah, so, so they keep their incremental destruction. Basically, of the they don't want to energize the Republican base on such a powerful, right. polarizing and, issue. And turn off mo the yeah. moderate yeah. Democrat voters. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So on the constitutional page, what we have is the Derek Chauvin case, the former Minnesota officer, his, his defense rested today. And I wanted to share with you a little clip just so that you could join with me in my irritation of uh, the language that we use in the courtroom. So here we go. Um, have you made a decision uh, today whether you intend to testify or whether you intend to invoke your Fifth Amendment privilege? Uh, privilege. What? My Fifth Amendment privilege. Today. What? Privilege. Did you? Uh, thank you, JC. The hell are they talking about? Thank you. Your Fifth Amendment privilege. Wow. 
Are you freaking kidding me? Can we take just a second to read that portion of the Fifth Amendment, please? So, so first off, JC, we destroy the Fifth and Sixth Amendments by calling them Miranda rights, mm. right? Meaning they're, they're quote-unquote rights that have been bestowed upon us by the courts mm -hmm. in a case of Miranda v. Arizona. And now you have my Fifth Amendment privilege. I was like, wow. are you kidding me? <coughs> Excuse me. So the portion of the Fifth Amendment is what I have highlighted right here. I'll just highlight it again in blue so that you can see it. And I made it as big as I could to help you who are watching on your phones. Nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. No person shall be compelled in a criminal case to be a witness against himself. That okay. shall, what's that? None. That shall means that this is the right of the person. Okay? The right of the person. This is not the privilege bestowed upon you by the government or by some law or by some court. This is actually a right that is part of a natural right for the people to not be forced to be a witness against themselves. So there you have it. Right there. Fifth Amendment, not a privilege, but an actual right. Mm -hmm. I am so glad, JC, that you were, were right on that. I mean, seriously. Let's Seize the language. I mean, train train people how they're supposed to th this, think this by what you speak. This is actually a courtroom, right? Mm -hmm. uh, today, whether you intend to testify or whether you intend to invoke your fifth amendment. Oh, sorry, guys. Yeah, this I forgot. My bad. I know somebody's going to be like, we can't hear anything, Chrisan. I know. I'm sorry. I'll start it over again. or whether you intend to invoke your Fifth Amendment privilege. Uh, I will invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege today. Boy, it makes you want to slap somebody. It does, doesn't it? It ought to make you want to slap somebody. I mean, seriously, seriously. I just, I don't even get that. I don't even get that. Seize the language. A Pri privilege. 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 Okay. Could you, so. you live under a king in a kingdom mm -hmm. who doles out you know, you have permission from the king, or is it queen in this case, not to testify against yourself. Oh, thank you for that privilege. Yeah, yeah. So Texas House yesterday gave an initial thumbs up to a uh, House Bill 1927, 
and uh, pass it in the House, and when it becomes law, would mark a win for gun rights activists for carrying without a handguns without a permit. Now, Texas law, this uh, HB 1927 has some issues. It would eliminate the requirement for Texas residents to obtain a license to carry handguns if they're not prohibited by state or federal law from possessing a gun. So it still submits to federal law as a ruling force against the state's law. So I wanted to share with you Arkansas law, which is a little, which is a whole lot better that's being passed now. This is SB 298 that has actually passed the Senate and is now on its way to be passed, uh, to be signed into law by the governor. Now, let me share this. Let me share this with you. This is actually the, uh, let me pull this up over here so I get it up here at the top. This is actually the bill text. Read the title to this. The title to this is the Arkansas Sovereignty Act of 2021. Hmm. The chapter, this is going to be, this chapter shall be known and may be cited as the Arkansas. Yep, knew that was coming. Come here, Mac. Say hello <laughs> to the crowd. Max is, Mac is guarding us from the delivery Mailman. man. Come here, pal. Come on, Mac. Come say hey, hi buddy. to everybody, buddy. Let's not bark. Come here, tell the people how much you hate mailmen. Come here. <laughs> Come here. Come here. Say, I hate mailmen. I, I hate the mailman. I hate UPS. I hate FedEx. And I hate the mailman. We don't know what's in those boxes, do we? It could be a terrorist. <laughs> they can't sneak up here with suspicious-looking packages. Suspicious-looking box. Good boy. Good boy. Go lay down. Go eat the mailman. All right. So... The Arkansas Sovereignty Act of 2021. Now, this is an amazing act. And our friend Gary Epperson uh, sent me a text message about this passing in the Senate uh, and as a way and, and thanked us and for uh, and Michael Bolden's through the 10th Amendment Center for the work that we did helping Arkansas with this bill. So I want to share this with you in a little bit more detail than what I usually do. So I'm going to read portions of this to you. And it says, the General Assembly finds that the state of Arkansas is firmly resolved to support and defend the United States Constitution against every aggression, either foreign or domestic, and the General Assembly is duty-bound to watch over and oppose every infraction of those principles that can constitute the basis of the United States because only a faithful observance of those principles can secure the nation's existence 
and the public happiness. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that is a, a very strong modern paraphrase of <laughs> thank you, Dragon's Talon, for your Mac Grant super chat. <laughs> so Mac gets a bone and we get some ice cream. Thank you so much, Dragon's Talon. We appreciate that. So those of you who are students at Liberty First University, you know that that sounds suspiciously like the uh, the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions of 1798 and 1800, right? Mm -hmm. uh, actu well, actually, more, more accurately, it sounds nearly exactly like the Virginia Assembly report to the citizens of Virginia of 1799, which is all around the same history, but mm -hmm. I don't want to digress too much. Acting through the United States Constitution, the people of the several states created the United States government to be their agent in the exercise of a few defined powers while reserving to the state governments the power to legislate on matters that concern the lives, liberties, and properties of the citizen in, or in the ordinary course of affairs. It's Madison, right? That's Federalist 45. Exactly. The limitation of the United States government's power is affirmed under the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which defines the total scope of federal power as being that which has been delegated by the people of the several states to the United States government. And all power not delegated to the United States government in the United States Constitution is reserved to the states respectively or to the people themselves. Now catch this, section four. Whenever the United States government assumes powers that the people did not grant in the Constitution of the United States, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force. Wow. That is a direct Arkansas. quote of Thomas Jefferson. Now I even wrote wow next to uh, I'm, section I'm about B. to pack my bags right now. Yeah, well, Gary Epperson said, come on. He already I, told I me, imagine. come on. <laughs> he says, okay, so, section five. I'm going to put an Arkansas flag on my truck. I know. The several states of the United States are not united on the principle of unlimited submission to the United States. The United States government created by the United States Constitution is not the exclusive or final judge of the extent of the powers granted to it by the United States Constitution because that would have made the United States government's discretion and not the United States Constitution the measure of those powers. Wow, supremacy clause. To the keep that in mind because we're about to get into this. To that to the contrary, and that's actually a quote from the ratification debates by the way, what they just quoted there. To the contrary, as in all other cases of compacts among powers having no common judge, each party has an equal right to judge itself as well as of infractions as of the mode and measure of redress. Although the several states have granted supremacy to laws and treaties made under the powers granted in the United States Constitution, such supremacy does not apply to various federal statutes, orders, rules, regulations, or other actions that restrict or prohibit the manufacture, ownership, and use of firearms, firearms accessories, or ammunition exclusively within the borders of Arkansas. Um, let me see. 
it goes on to say, let's see, the, the federal constitution, this is now 7BI, the federal constitution, constitutional provisions merely identify the means by which the United States, oh, let me, I went too far, sorry, 7A. The people of the several states have also given the United States Congress the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and the general welfare of the United States, and to make all laws which shall, which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. These federal constitutional provisions merely identify the means by which the United States government may execute its limited powers and ought not to be so construed as themselves to give unlimited powers because to do so would be to destroy the balance of power between the United States government and the state governments. Man, wow. Arkansas, you guys rock. Right? That is that is amazing. Woo! That is amazing. That is like Mike Trot moment. That has 10th Amendment Center, Liberty First University written all over it. Mm -hmm. Good I stuff. I mean, you guys are so off. And I don't even remember. Um, Gary Epperson's the one that brought me up there to teach the legislators. To teach the legislators, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Right? So... Here is, are you ready? Here is the response by the Arkansas governor. Okie dokie. Are you ready for this one? He says it would, this bill is problematic. That's what he says. Hmm. Problematic. Yes. So Hutchinson which is probably <laughs> coincidentally the former governor of Massachusetts right. who allowed the Boston Tea Party to occur without yeah. any intervention whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Hutchinson said, was somebody remarking on my old lady glasses? I don't know. <laughs> Hutchinson said that the supremacy clause of the United States has determined that when there is a conflict between state and federal law, federal law prevails the arkansas bill ignores that legal precedent mm -hmm. so i think that it's time for the people of arkansas to send a little educational email to the governor of arkansas about how the supremacy clause is supposed to work so I'm going to give you just a short little lesson on the Supremacy Clause. And then just so you know, I'm going to be sending a sample script to call and to write the governor of Arkansas to Gary Epperson and his crew. I will post it on social media and you guys can help Governor Hutchinson, which is still kind of funny. <laughs> Governor Hutchinson. You're a nerd. I am such a nerd. Uh, Governor Hutchinson, understand what the Supremacy Clause actually means. So here you go. This is the Supremacy Clause. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all the treaties, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, 
under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land. Now, this is just about, about grammar, right? It's just about grammar. So are all federal laws, executive orders, rules, regulations, supreme law, as Governor Hutchinson says? Well, a simple reading tells us that this constitution shall be the supreme law of the land and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, the air of is reflecting back on the constitution, shall be the supreme law of the land. So the only document in this Article 6, Clause 2, Supremacy Clause, that is the supreme law of the land standing on its own is the Constitution. Without condition. Without condition. The laws of the United States are conditionally the supreme law of the land, up conditioned upon that they are made in pursuance of the Constitution. By the way, treaties fall under the same condition. Mm -hmm. The treaties, the condition of treaties is they have to be made under the authority of the United States, which, as the Arkansas law specifically and, and very well, uh, very properly points out, is that the authority of the United States is specically delegated and defined. In the Constitution. In the Constitution. So, so both of those clauses refer back to the, the Constitution, Constitution and for treaties and laws, federal laws, having to be made in compliance, uh, not contradicting right. the, consti the Constitution, which would mean not violating the reserved powers of the states. Because right. within the Constitution, the powers of the federal government are listed, yes. or as they say, enumerated. enumerated. And the Ninth and Tenth Amendment basically say if they are not listed, those things which are not enumerated that we didn't specifically delegate to you mm -hmm. remain in the states. So anything you cannot find listed in the constitution is not a power of the federal government. It is a power reserved to the states. Yes. So then to, or to the people for, for the federal government to make a law that touches one of those things that mm -hmm. infringes upon one of those things, not listed mm -hmm. uh, would be a violation of the constitution. And so you can say, well, this uh, this law, this federal law conflicts with the state. And well, in every case, the federal law triumphs. No, you have to look to the Constitution. If there's a contradiction, you say, well, is that federal law touching something that's not listed in the Constitution? Oh, it is. OK, well, then the state law prevails because federal government's not allowed to touch things we didn't say it could touch. Right. That's how you work that out, Mr. Hutchinson. Exactly. And what you should see here is look at this. When the laws are made, when the laws are made in pursuance to the Constitution, they are the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. When they are not made in pursuance to the Constitution, then they are not the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall not be bound thereby. And so what we need to really grasp here is the understanding of what our founders were trying to teach us in all of this about the supremacy clause is exactly what was said in these, this Arkansas bill. 
This Arkansas bill is absolutely amazing, right? Here you have, here you have, oh, why am I always hitting the wrong button? Here you have Alexander Hamilton saying, no legislative act contrary to the Constitution can be valid. Why? Because Hamilton knows that if the laws are not made in pursuance thereof, then they're not the supreme law of the land. You also have James Wilson saying, and this is what's really important, the power of the Constitution predominates. It is the supreme. Anything, therefore, that shall be enacted by Congress or the president or some executive agency or the Supreme Court people that is contrary to the Constitution will not have the force of law. And so this is the little lesson that Arkansas Governor uh, Hutchinson needs to understand. Arkansas Governor Hutchinson uh, is a graduate of Bob Jones University. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I was pulling up his Wikipedia here. I wanted to see if he was a lawyer. Yeah, I believe so. Is he? Because this is, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, he was a U.S. attorney. Mm. He was a U.S. attorney for the Western District of Arkansas, which, there you go. Now you know why he doesn't understand why the Constitution. He's a federal supremacist. And why he's a federal supremacist. So I want to say thank you to the people of Arkansas. Thank you to our friend Gary Epperson for working tireless, tirelessly and giving us the honor and privilege to be a part of this and writing, can I just say, such a freaking awesome bill. Mm -hmm. What I would like to do... <laughs> Jim Jones University. <laughs> what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a moment to sit down with Governor Hutchinson and walk through this clause by clause and say, okay... Uh, which one of these do you disagree with? Do you disagree that you are duty bound to watch over and oppose every infraction of the Constitution? Mm -hmm. Do you disagree that whenever the federal government assumes power that the people did not grant in the Constitution, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force? Do you disagree with that? Because if he disagrees with that, then you have to look him in the face and say, I'm sorry, sir, what exactly is the limit to the federal government's power? Because it certainly cannot be just themselves. It's so sad that you're, you're the governor of a state who is apparently there to ensure that your state remains a colony of the central city, of the federal city. Yeah, yeah. He, he is a colonial overseer. Yes, that's what he thinks he is anyway. And apparently the legislature of Arkansas, praise God, thinks differently. Right? So the legislature of Arkansas thinks, no, we're sovereign and it's our duty to stand against unlawful acts by the federal government. I think if he were to veto it, they probably have enough to override him, but if he were to veto it, they should start in the impeachment process immediately. Absolutely, because he has, number one, violated his oath. Mm -hmm. 
He has violated his oath. But if we were going to impeach governors these days that violate their oath, I don't know if we'd have any governors left. I mean, the governor of South Dakota would be the only one that was left. But what you have is a violation of his oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Mm -hmm. The General Assembly of Virginia in 1799 issued a report, which was kind of like a, a State of the Union address in writing. And they told the people of Virginia that it would be deceitful. This is their language. Deceitful of those who are entrusted with the guardianship of the state sovereignty to not warn and defend you from federal encroachments. That's the word they use. Well, they actually used a bigger word that actually means deceitful. But it would be deceitful to not warn you of these encroachments because they say we took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. You are not supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States if you are allowing the federal government to exercise powers not delegated through the Constitution in your state. You are destroying the Constitution of the United States and you are failing in your solemn duty as governor. Uh, Gary, are you saying that Arkansas doesn't have a uh, veto override? Is that what you're referring to? Is Gary on with us? Today? Yeah, yeah, oh. he just made a comment, and that may be the case. That's true in some states. The votes, the votes are there to override, or they don't mm -hmm. have the impeachment, or they can't impeach. Yeah, I think that it that he can veto it. Mm -hmm. It says a bill. Sure. Yeah, so he can veto it. But I don't know that they have enough votes to override it. it Gary was says the votes are there to override. Oh, yes. So, okay, great. So do they, is there an ability? Oh, okay. he can't be only, oh, he the can impeach. only be impeached okay. for criminal action. So they could override his veto. Right. They could override his veto. But the impeachment is yeah. reserved for criminal actions. Yeah. Gotcha. Do you they, have, do they have, have recall? Recall. Right. That's my question. Does Arkansas have a recall process? And by the way, if your state does not have a recall process, that Gar ought to be something that you're working we, on right now. We need to get Gary on. G Gary, you need to. We need to set up a, a video, you know, interview. Yeah, you come there you in, go. You can talk about this. Talk about the process and yeah, what um, it took to to what make you guys this went happen. through and yeah. yeah. So yeah, so every state should have a recall process. <laughs> Every state. Phones don't look like this anymore, by the way. Let's <laughs> go pick up a banana or something. I don't know. So we'll we'll get Gary on and because we like people being able to explain how this is supposed to happen. We like people explaining to us what they did to make it happen. And this is the success stories that we need to actually keep repeating and duplicating, mm. right? So um, we'll get Gary on because we've had we've had Bernie Thompson on several times talking about his victories and his, you know, his his methodology in victory and success at the county level. We'd love to have Gary, who I think is one of the pictures, <laughs> one of the pictures of tenacity that, you know, because it's not just education. It's not just organization. It's not just activation. It's got to be persistence in that. And Gary 
um, bless his wife's heart, has actually dedicated every waking moment to this. Mm. And so, and so have many people around Gary. So Gary's not alone. That's part of the organizing of how all that works. So, yeah. So phenomenal bill. Um, yeah. So we'll see if we can, uh, influence the governor. And, yeah. uh, if not, then <clears throat> apparently they can override it. Right. So I'm going to be sending Gary a, a script to, uh, send out just a, a, an example. People should write their own, but I'm going to send you an example of what to say to help train the governor. But since he's a lawyer, but not only was he a lawyer, a federal lawyer, mm -hmm. right? He he just may be so steeped in federal supremacy. I mean, he's a disaster anyway. Yeah. Asa Hutchinson's a disaster. Yeah. He's so, so he, he should steeped be, in federal supremacy. They, they want to get rid of him regardless. <laughs> Rhino. He's a Republican. So yeah, he's a joke. He's he's a rhino. He's, he's been an a absolute joke rhino. For a long time. Yeah. So um that's what we're gonna do today. Remember. And don't you have Jan Morgan running for governor out there in Arkansas? Last time I heard she was. Yeah, I think so. Can't imagine what that would look like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's somebody that'll stand for your yeah, right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, with, Sarah without, Huckabee. Without is question. Sarah yeah. Huckabee's running also. Yeah. Interesting. I know I know Jan would be a tireless defender of your yeah, uh she is already. Oh, yeah. Hutchinson is termed out. Well, there you go. Jan, you Jan's guys. running for Senate. Oh, she's running for Senate. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I would hey, rather her run for governor. Any any way she could represent the people, it's a plus. Whatever the office. Yeah. There's no question. Jan Morgan, definitely. But she doesn't represent the people in the U.S. Senate. Right. She represents the Represent states. your state. So no, hopefully no we can get somebody in. Somebody said to me the other day, Chris Ann, what if senators started just representing the issues of their states? Mm -hmm. What if they just started yeah. doing what they're supposed to be doing right. instead of thinking they represent the federal government or thinking that they represent the people? What would that look like if even if just one or two just said, uh, you know, got up and made a press conference, I'm a representative of the state. I'm not a representative of the people. I am here to represent the best interests of my state. And that would be the only thing that I will be weighing the credibility of legislation on. Does yeah. this match the principles and the well-being of my state. That's yeah. what a real senator would say. That'd be great. Yeah, man. Yeah. Arkansas. That'd be solid. Sarah Sarah Huckabee for governor and Jan Morgan for state senator. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. Be yeah. Amazing. All right, guys. <clears throat> it is Friday. That'd be one state secured. Yeah. It's yeah. a start. It's a start. <laughs> it's a start. So, guys, just keep remembering. Educate, organize, activate with persistence. Okay. Jan and I are friends. I, I think very highly of Jan. Uh, so there's her information there, Jan Morgan for Senate.com. Um, but I want you to know we are the ones with the power. We are the ones with the ability to make the changes. How many people do we have to show on this show that are making huge changes yep. at the state and local level 
for us to realize that all we have to do is get pushed back from the table and start getting to work. Good job, Gary. You rock, brother. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us this week. We hope that you have enjoyed our show. And JC, we'll see you on Monday. <laughs>